So I've got a confession to make and a bit of an apology as well. I keep telling you time and time again that certain parts of this work are my favorite parts. And I've even gone as far as saying that certain things make it into a top three. And the reality is what we're about to talk about is quite possibly my favorite part of all of it. And the reason I don't talk about this at the start and the reason it probably actually still doesn't make it into the top three things I would give to people as a takeaway up front is because without building up to all the other with all the other stuff that we've talked about I think this stuff in itself is too much for people if if I'd have learned this is the first thing I ever learned when I was changing my life I wouldn't have believed it it's as simple as that really you might listen to this you might watch this and you might not believe it you might think it's bullshit if you've been through some of the previous episodes with me if you've been on a bit of a journey already if you've started thinking about some of this stuff you might be more open to what i'm about to talk about it is huge it loads of this work basically traces back to the psychologist carl jung from a few decades ago and his work around the shadow and if you've ever been involved in the personal development or self-help world, world, you might have heard of shadow work before. Obviously, the way I interpret it, as with most other things in the way I interpret it, is different to the way many other people interpret it. So if you watch this, if you listen to this and you think I'm talking a load of bullshit and the way I interpret it is wrong, then so be it. I'm comfortable with that. The way I've absorbed this over time and put it into my own life and now help other people around the world with coaching and talking about this stuff seems to work, which is why I talk about it the way I do talk about it. So what is it in basic terms? The reason I love this stuff is because when Carl Jung talked about it as being the shadow, I thought he, like he couldn't have come up with a better analogy for it. The shadow, when you think about it, what what is our shadow? Our shadow generally follows us around in life. It's behind us and it's a darkness that is created by light shining on us. And the way to get rid of our shadow is to shine a light on it. And that couldn't fit better with this type of work. So the shadow effectively in very, very, very basic terms is all the stuff we talked about, about emotional repression, all the bits about repressing parts of who we really are, creating something, a part of us, a version of us that isn't whole, that isn't full. It's because what we're doing over time is we're putting things into our shadow. We're pushing things behind us. We're pushing them down. We're repressing them. We're suppressing them. And they all go into our shadow and they follow us around in our lives. They follow us around in our subconsciouses without us thinking about us, without, without us thinking about it and without us being aware of it most of the time. And early on in my work, when I was working with my therapist in Liverpool City Centre, this is over two years ago now, two and a half years ago, it was fairly early on in my development, in the changes I was making, I'd learnt all this other stuff. And then one day this stuff just dawned on me, it just clicked. And I'll always remember I went in and I was speaking to my therapist, Dave, and I said to him, something I've realised. And he said, what? And I said that all of this stuff that we repress, when we look at the outside world, what that means is what we see in the outside world is basically just a projection of what's inside us. Most of what we see is just what's inside us. And he paused 
and I'll never forget what he said next. It was one of his very impactful moments and he leant forward in his chair and he said, no, Paul, not most of what we see, it's everything. And it felt at that moment like he'd reached across the room and punched me on the end of the nose again. Because I remember sitting back in my chair and thinking, fuck, he's right. And I've got, I've got so many examples I could give you of this now. And maybe as you start absorbing this over time and you start thinking about it more, you'll see your own examples. And the, the big one that jumped out to me at the time was I'd been in a supermarket and I was walking through a supermarket and I had my headphones in, listening to a podcast as I often would. And I'm walking through a supermarket with a trolley. And within about five minutes of being in the supermarket, someone walked in front of me and they pissed me off. And I was like, all right, get out the way inside my head. And then two minutes later, someone else did it and they pissed me off. And then two minutes later, someone else did it. And I was like, for fuck's sake, why are all these idiots in this fucking supermarket today? And then it just dawned on me that I'd been in the exact same supermarket the week before with the same aisles, similar people knocking around, some of them walking in front of my trolley. And I didn't react the same way. I was in a better mood. So they didn't piss me off as they were walking in front of me. Same supermarket, same people, same behavior on the outside completely different reaction on the inside and after doing loads of this work where you get to with this now after a while is as soon as that happens you you realize there's something going in inside that's the problem it's not what's going on in the outside world because all of this what we feel about the outside world is just a projection of what's going on inside us that's at the very basis of all of this so where does this lead this leads to a rule of thumb that nobody wants to hear pretty much. But if you wanna change your life, if you wanna transform everything about your life, then this is the thing to internalize. I've been doing a bit of reflection lately on all the people I've coached over the past 18 months and comparing their journeys to my journey and what's, you know, what, is there anything missing from the work I've done with them? Is there anything I could have stressed more to help them more? And this is one of the things I came down to is the shadow work because if you can nail this i guarantee and i promise you your world will change permanently like my my world now that i've incorporated this and fully internalized it could not be more different than it was just a few years ago i see the world in a completely different way i am at peace because of this work which is as we talk through it you might sound it might sound completely counterintuitive, which is a phrase I say often, because loads of this work is counterintuitive, and that's why it doesn't really fit with the traditional personal development and self-help worlds. So what is it? What's the rule of thumb? The rule of thumb is what we hate in other people, what we dislike in other people, is stuff we dislike about ourselves and stuff we hate about ourselves. It's stuff that we've buried deep inside us. So when we see it in the outside world, as the world reflecting, it's like a mirror reflecting back at us. When we see what we dislike in ourselves in other people, it really, really winds us up. Does that sound crazy? Does that sound mad? So think about it in these two ways. These are, these are two things. Next time something really, really winds you up, ask yourself if you're being completely honest with yourself, does it fit into one or two categories? And again, this is my interpretation. There are loads of different interpretations of this, different ways you can look at it all over the place. If you like this and you don't like my interpretation, 
I'd ask you to go and look in other places and see whether you can find another place that explains it in a way that you like. This is all about you at the end of the day. It doesn't matter whether you, you believe or like what I say. It's all about you finding a way that things that resonate with you that can change your life. So if this just is an introduction and you can find other people who talk about it in a way you like, do that. So the two questions are these. Is this behavior that I see in the outside world that someone else displaying, is it something that I already do that I repress and I don't like to look at so I ignore? So it's something I already do. Or, or it could be and or, could be both of these things or it could be either. Is it something that if I'm completely honest with myself, if I go right the way down to the base of my core personality, I wish I could be more like, and I'm not because I repress it and I've been taught to repress it. I've been taught to switch off that part of my personality. So when I see it in someone else, it pisses me off. Does that make sense? At first, when you start doing this, it's you may not find these things because the problem we've got is when we look at things in other people and we say that pisses us off, we tend to give it different names to things we give it, we talk about in ourselves. So let me give you a basic example that I might have mentioned in a previous episode. A big one in my old life and a big one in all of our lives, but we don't really talk about it in this sense, is a lot of people I know, me included, and lots of people I've been close to over the years, and this is something talked about in personal development world, we don't like manipulation. So if we'll see someone else being manipulative, we will call it being manipulative, we will call it manipulation, and it'll we don't like it, it will really wind us up. And I'm not talking about things that just slightly irritate us, I'm just talking about things that we hate deep down. You might see it in someone you know, you might see it in someone you love, you might see it in a romantic partner, in a boss, in an employee, in a family member. And when we look at it in someone else, we hate it. And when I say to people, and I have to do this work myself, this is why this is tough. This is some of the toughest parts of the work I do. And this is the dark stuff that you've truly got to look at your own darkness in order to come back to the light. But this is where it's counterintuitive. This is the way out of it. If you truly look at yourself, are you ever manipulative? And when I stopped and looked at that, I thought this is a language point. So this is where my all my old worlds collide. So something you learn as a lawyer is all about the importance of language and something I've learned through early days of doing NLP, neuro-linguistic programming and psychology and stuff around that those worlds is about language and the, the words we use and how important they are and the definitions of the words we use. So I've known people including me over time and they might describe themselves as things like can charm the birds out the trees, can wrap someone around their little finger, in my case, charismatic, persuasive, able to bend the, the world to their will. All of those words are just different and expressions are just different ways of describing being manipulative. That's all it is. It's the same thing. Bending the world to your will, if it's against the world's uh, intent, if it's against what the world wants to do is manipulative. But when we're talking about ourselves, we don't call it manipulation. We call it something that sounds nicer. When we look at it in someone else, we say, that's manipulation, I don't like it. And it's something that winds us up deep inside. And if you don't believe me about this stuff, another way to look at it is to think about the things that really wind us up compared to just normal stuff. So this this includes things that people say about us. This, this I often say, 
cliches we call we refer to things as cliches as if we should just dismiss them but cliches have been around for a long time often for a good reason because if they weren't useful they'd have just died out and the cliche of the truth hurts is basically what this is all about so those things we've talked about you know people things we see in the outside world it also applies to things people say about us so someone says something about us that really winds us up and we hate really triggers us to use a traditional self-help world and personal development world word if something really really triggers you it's often because of this so think about it like this an example i always give is whatever your hair color is let's say you're a brunette or you're blonde if i just say to you your hair's the opposite of what it actually is how would you react how would you feel and the vast majority of people i say that to go it wouldn't bother me i don't care because why because you know it's not true you know fundamentally it's not true so it doesn't bother you now it might bother you if i carried carried on saying it thousands of times and just wound you up that would be a different thing but if i just say it once compare that to and you've got to think of your own example of this whatever comes to mind something that someone has said to you about you that really fucking pisses you off that really winds you up that you get defensive about that you might maybe have had fights about maybe you've argued about when you're drunk what's the difference what's the difference between that thing and me telling you the color of your hair is the opposite of what it is and the difference is what we know deep down inside us deep in our shadow is the thing the other person saying is true so there's lots of there's a couple of different exercises you can do in this the, the two biggest exercises i do with all of my clients and they're in the book that help you to train, change your life are this stuff and the multiple personality stuff and when you combine this work, the shadow work with the multiple personality stuff, it is just life changing. It is, it's, it's a game changer completely because when you can internalize it, this takes time, but over time you train yourself that all of a sudden you put a new program in that as soon as you get that feeling inside of, fucking hell, that really pisses me off. Your next thought can be, why? Why does this piss me off so much? And then we go all the way back to, where does this all come from? So I'll tell you a story because it, it's just one of my favourite stories and it sums this up as to how this happens. And this ties into stuff we've talked about in the past about emotional repression and all that stuff. So being taught subconsciously as a kid that a part of us isn't right, isn't good, so we repress it. So let's go to the end and then work backwards. In my old life, something that used to wind me up, really, really wind me up, was when people would just say and do whatever they wanted. They would just be the type of people who say things like, um, well, you know what I'm like, I just say what I, I just say whatever I think. And I would think back then, that's just rude. That's all that is, it's just cover. It's just another way of saying you're rude. And I didn't like it. I was brought up to be polite and to be, uh, to not say everything that was on my mind. And this, when I go back to my childhood stories, when we go back to it again, Think about the Karate Kid training we've talked about in previous episodes. Learning all different things and bringing them together. Childhood stories, things that we've learned subconsciously. I used to have, I want to tell you this story, but it can take ages to tell, so I'm going to tell you a shorter version. I used to have a great auntie on my dad's side. So it's my dad's auntie, uh, my dad's mum's younger sister. There was a few of them in the family. My grandma was the eldest and her sister Flo was the youngest and Flo 
used to live on a little island off the coast of Scotland called Mull. And I would see my auntie Flo, and she was married to a guy called Bob, my uncle Bob, Flo and Bob. Um, I'd see them twice a year. They'd come all the way down from, from this little island twice a year to visit. And once they'd come and stay in my grandma's, who lived near to where I was brought up in Liverpool. And the second time, this was all, it was, it was all around Christmas. We would see them at Christmas in my grandma's and then we would go to Flo's sons for a party in Yorkshire once a year as well. That was usually around Boxing Day, something like that. Um, and so to give you some context of this, my grandma was a very, very well-mannered, very polite, very well-to-do lady. She was lovely. I loved her to bits. But you wouldn't step out, out of line around her. You knew how to behave yourself. You know, everything was clean. Everything was tidy. Her younger sister couldn't have been more different. So Flo was the type of person who didn't give a flying fuck about anything, basically. So I used to remember as a little kid, and I was a quiet little kid, and I used to watch her and love her to bits, because she was everything I wasn't. She would say whatever the fuck she wanted. She didn't like to wash. She would wear scruffy clothes. She would swear. She would be uncouth. This was completely opposite to my grandma and I, I remember I could I can picture my grandma now saying oh Flo stop Flo stop it stop saying that we'd get this all the time and I used to love it I used to just love watching her and then anyway anyway one day I'm about I was a kid I, was, I must have been six seven eight years old and we go to this party in Flo's son's house in Yorkshire and the other part of the story that you need to know is my dad also had a younger sister who was a couple of years younger than him. We didn't see much of her, a couple of, again, two, three times a year maybe. Never really understood my auntie because yeah, on my mum's side we were all really close and everybody all spoiled the kids and spent loads of time and it gave them loads of attention. And my auntie Val on my dad's side didn't seem to be that bothered with us, to be honest. She wasn't really into kids. She lived in London. She'd gone off to try and be a movie star and a... Uh, pop star years before so there was all these stories about her but one of the stories about Val that we were always told was you couldn't talk about her age it was just just a taboo subject you couldn't talk about her age and kids don't really get this stuff anyway do they well when you're a little kid you don't really know about ages but from what I did know I remember I used to look at her and think I used to ask my mum about it and be like but she's really pretty like does doesn't she look good for how old she is and everyone would say, yes, she does. And I never understood this. She would tell everyone she was younger than she was. But even as a kid, I'd be like, but that's backwards. That doesn't make any sense. Because if you tell everybody how old you are, everybody's first reaction is, God, don't you look really good for your age? Whereas if you take 10 years off that age and tell them that age, you don't look that great anymore. You look a bit rough. So I never understood that anyway as a kid. But anyway, the point of the story is you weren't allowed to mention her age. And she was must have been in her in her 40s by this point maybe late 40s and we go to this party and we're in this room it was a lovely old yorkshire house with low ceilings and we're in this room full of people i don't really know i would see them once a year but didn't know them very well i was a very shy quiet little boy so i would sit on the edge of the couch next to my mom where it was quiet where i was away from everyone i'm sitting in this room four sides there's a door over to the opposite side of me I'm sitting next to a fireplace and 
opposite me is my auntie Flo. I was sitting where I could see her because she used to entertain me so much. I'd love watching her. And then over on the other side of the room, but standing up and holding court was my auntie Val. And she's t- going on and on about some story. And it, I, was, I, I remember seeing everyone's faces and thinking, everyone's bored shitless. Like if I could articulate that as a little boy, I'd be like, God, this is like, this is a boring story, whatever she's saying. And at one point, my auntie Flo obviously just got bored and she looked at me and caught my eye and winked at me. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And it was, it was like she was just saying to me, watch this. And she just interrupted my auntie, Flo, auntie Val in the middle of this monologue story and went, anyway, Val, forget all about that. Haven't you been through the menopause yet? It's about time at your age, isn't it? <laughs> and the whole room just exploded because man, I was like, how dare you say that? How d- I'm not old enough to go through the menopause. How dare you say that in front of everybody? You've embarrassed me so much. And then everyone starts talking and there's all this commotion. My grandma stands up and she's shouting at Flo and she's saying, Flo, why are you always causing trouble? And I remember Flo just looked directly at me with this little chuckle and just winked again. And I remember sitting there thinking, that was fucking brilliant. It was just like in the middle of this party, because it was doing her head in, she just threw a hand grenade into the middle of it all. And I'm there as this little quiet boy who's been taught to be good and be quiet and don't upset anyone. And you just have to sit and put up with it. And I'm watching this person who's the complete opposite to me. And I just loved it. And then we got in the car on the way home. And my mum and dad are talking about it. And me and my sister in the back. And they were laughing about it because it was so funny. But obviously you couldn't say that in the room because everyone was like, oh, this is awful. But I remember them saying to me and my sister, it was very rude what your auntie Flo did. So you shouldn't do that. And this is a perfect example of programming experiences we get from as kids. So I experience it and I think it's brilliant. I hear them talking about it and they're laughing about it, saying it's brilliant. And then they tell us not to do it. So there's a part of me that wants to be like that but I repress it because I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think it's allowed to be like that. So I repress it, I turn it off. I, I be the good boy. I be polite. I have good manners. I don't say things I shouldn't say. When people are standing there and they're boring me and they're saying things and they're going on and on and on, I just put up with it. I just bite my tongue and I'm a good boy. Guess what? Decades later, fast forward two decades from that point, whenever I'm around people who speak their mind and are rude and I just and just say whatever they want to say I fucking hate it this was me a few years ago I, w- I would hate it they would wind me up I'd be like I, I can't stand people like that guess why think about the two questions I asked before is it a part of you you already display but you repress because you don't want to accept it in you which is like the manipulation thing that'd be the same if I hated manipulative people because it's already in me I just don't call it manipulation or it's like this one. Is it something deep down you'd love to be, but you can't because you've been taught to repress it? So both of those things are in our shadow. So when we see them in the outside world, it reflects back to us like a mirror and it hits us deep inside our gut. That's what that one was for me. Does that make sense? Can you see where this comes from now? Because otherwise, if it wasn't in my shadow, it wouldn't wind me up that much. There's loads of different types of behaviours that in my old life didn't wind me up anyway. I was just fine with them. Why? They weren't buried in my shadow somewhere. There'd be something that someone else would get wound up by and it's because it's buried in their shadow, not mine. 
and the, the interesting thing about this work is once you start doing it and you start internalizing it properly not only do you see it in yourself and you can then make massive changes in your life to find peace and contentment because that's the point of this but you can see it everywhere you look <laughs> there's, there's almost a bit of a blessing and a curse bit about this because now everywhere i look i've reached a point now where it just amuses me really i'll watch someone and it's often easier to see this in other people than it is in yourself so maybe do that as a first step if you if you don't want to face this part of yourself yet because it's hard to do it's hard to see this part of us because we've repressed it for so long and we don't want to see it look out for it in other people think about people you know who slag off other people for something when you know they do it themselves i see it everywhere it's throughout my family it's throughout everybody i've ever met someone will be criticizing somebody else either someone they know or somebody online or somebody on tv and you'll be sitting there thinking but you do that you're just like that and they're completely blind to it and we it's hard to understand it's like how can you be completely blind to that but it's the same thing they've been repressing it inside themselves for so long they can't see it in themselves so when they see it in someone else it's the mirror it's the world reflecting back at you and it triggers them because it's deep in their shadow you can see it they can't guess what that's happening to you every day every day and other people are looking at you doing the same thing you just can't see it and the counterintuitive solution to this is to go into it is to move towards it not away from it and that's where this work clashes with lots of the self-help and traditional personal development worlds those worlds often don't encourage you to do any of this what they encourage you to do is put your fingers in your ears and tell yourself how great you are or to just think positively and think like the world's fantastic and everything will get better. The problem with that is it doesn't work. And and look, I'll say this time and time again: whatever works for you to change your life, do it. I've got I've I've done so much work on my ego at this point. This isn't about you just following what I say. This is about you finding your own path. And if if what I say helps and you can lead you somewhere, fantastic. But ultimately, whatever you can do to find your own way to change your life do that in my experience and in the experience i've got with everybody i've worked with this makes more sense because actually instead of just putting your fingers in your ears and going la 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 la, i love myself i'm great you actually start looking at who you really are it's why it ties in so well with the multiple personality exercises and work which we'll talk more about in the next next episodes it's crucial but you move towards it you figure out what are all these things in me you go back over all the other work we've talked about in the past you say okay what is repressed in me and the easiest way to see that is to think about what pisses you off the most how does it work how does it change your life well the beauty of it is and this takes time again it's changing old programming so it takes different people different lengths of time but ultimately what we want to internalize is as soon as something triggers us pisses us off we gently think being kind to ourselves taking responsibility okay where is this in me which part of me is repressed here what is this if i'm being completely honest with myself is this a behavior i display or is it something that i actually deep down would like to but i can't once we can do that we can see it in ourselves we'll talk about this in the next episode but the next part of this or the next part of this is about about learning how to love and accept the parts of us that we don't like and we can't do that until we can see them so this this step is figuring out what they are but the beauty of that is once you can learn to accept the darkest parts of you then when you see them in the outside world they don't piss you off anymore 
because guess what now you've got more compassion for yourself you understand where all your flaws came from at the end of the day we are all just flawed human beings doing our best hopefully trying to do better those two things can exist at the same time so when we see it in the outside world when we see it in someone else instead of judging them instead of criticizing them we can have compassion for them as well because we can say well why does it happen in their life for the same reason it happened in mine goes right the way back to childhood stuff they've learned subconsciously again it's nobody's fault going over the same stuff it's nobody's fault but there's there's a great quote by the uh, the author paulo coelho and he says something like we are great lawyers for them for our own mistakes and we're great judges of the mistakes of other people and that's what this refers to we we absolve ourselves of responsibility because we say oh that's different that's that's not the same thing that's not manipulation i'm just i'm just charming I'm just, I'm just good at bending, you know, getting people to do what I want them to do. That's not manipulative. They're manipulative because they're, they're evil. And this, again, ties into similar stuff, goodies and baddies, stories we tell ourselves. Once we can accept the darkness in ourselves and see how it develops in everybody, we can accept it, we can forgive it, we can, be, we can learn to love ourselves, the darkest parts, then we learn how to love and accept everything else around us. That's the ultimate way to find peace and contentment. A key point to say to round this up is something people will often say is, but hang on, if we accept that stuff about us, doesn't that mean that we'll do it more? Won't we display those behaviours more? And the reason we've been repressing them is we think they're bad. And again, that old phrase, counterintuitively, that's not how it works. What happens is we, we actually at the moment are displaying those behaviours because we're trying to repress them. They're in our shadow following us around. Our subconscious is driving our life. Well, guess what? When we shine a light on them, when we can see them for what they are, when we know we are capable of this darkness, we can then take control of it consciously. It's not We're not being controlled by our subconscious anymore. I will often, and as I went through this, I would ask myself the question, is what I'm about to do in any way manipulative? And if it was in any way manipulative, I wouldn't do it because I'm like, well, I don't want to be manipulative and I'm not going to tell myself a story that this is okay because I call it something else not telling someone the truth about something because you don't want to hurt their feelings or you don't think they want to hear it anyway or whatever it is whatever the bullshit reason we give about it there's way more about this in the book whatever it is we can understand it we can learn how to accept it in ourselves and in other people it brings ultimate peace and contentment another key point of this to finish last point is that the other side of this is this is not carte blanche as with loads of this work this is not carte blanche to start going hang on like so in my example i should just run around now saying whatever i want to fucking anybody saying whatever the fuck i want that's not the point that is not the point of this we're not giving ourselves free a free pass to go and piss on everybody else's life what it is with things like that is and we'll talk more about that in future episodes is about how do we then deal with the bits of us we're repressing and actually what we're gonna do is find more balance. So for me, as, as a small example, give you a bit of a preview into the next episode, is to start saying more of what I wanna say. Stop repressing the truth. Stop trying to be a good boy all the time. Stop pussyfooting around. If you wanna say something, say it, but say it with compassion and say it with kindness to the best of your ability. Because what we're looking for is balance. We don't wanna go from one extreme to the other in whatever it is. We want to find balance in the middle and that can take time and it takes work because the, the people we are, the identities we've created have been created over decades at this point. 
so it can take time to undo and to put new programming in but it is possible and this going back to the start of the episode this work is absolutely key for that and if if you decide to go down this path and do this work when you've when you've done the, the top three things of the taking responsibility be kind to yourself and figuring out about the stories we tell ourselves this and the multiple personality work are crucial if you want to trans- transform your life if you want to change everything if you want to do it the way i talk about it and the way i've done it that's it i hope you've enjoyed it i hope it made sense if you liked it please share it with one other person that you think would like it see you next time